three minutes where we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute time. I'm Brad. And uh, we're back to finish out the week with Minute 11, Jurassic Park 3. But before we get to that, David, um, Universal, uh, Jurassic Park 25th anniversary. They're still pumping out some collector's pieces. For that, uh, mm-hmm. ClassicStills.com has um, released or is releasing several um, classic images or movie set pieces from Jurassic Park in uh, frame prints. Um, most of them limited to uh, 50 or 100 pieces. David, it's sort of. A, have you got any uh, any Jurassic related uh, items hanging on your walls, posters, movie posters, anything like that? Not currently, but I do have them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have them put away. <laughs> is is that because of uh, space? <laughs> Once again, yeah, mostly yeah. <laughs> yeah, I one thing I didn't really get into was getting the um, sort of like the movie posters which I wouldn't mind doing for the films. I've got, like, the standees for Jurassic Park and The Lost World and sort of hunting for one for Jurassic Park 3 as well because sort of a little bit more interactive and uh, show a bit more than just the um, just the film title and when it's going to be released. But it's sort of... I know I only learnt recently that... Um, I know places like Walmart and that over in the States, you can't really go in there with um, copyrighted material and get them to blow it up into poster form. Um hope there's that copyright thing then they're not allowed to do it but yeah. I know over here it's quite easy to go in with a photo as long as the quality's good you can go in go into uh, one of them photography places and get them to blow it up and maybe not frame it but at least get the, it blown up and you can put something on your wall but here especially when you've got stuff here like um, the classic Grant holding the flare and the Tyrannosaur standing above the Explorer looking at him just before it roars um a 24 by 30 inch frame print is going to cost you nearly $500, but be limited to 50. So it's it's going to be hard to um, lay any money out on, <laughs> on any on any of this stuff. There's a couple of production photos here as well. Uh, the Raptors in the Jungle, for instance, which is a great photo, but not um, not uh, $500 worth for a, a large print like that. And that that doesn't even include shipping too, which. <laughs> A, a print that big framed is going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. No, one thing I have kind of wanted always to do, though, was to um, get the Lost World holographic, like, as a large poster, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that... I No, maybe not. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I thought I saw one that was, like, poster-sized. I can't remember now, though. Have to go go for an eBay search. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's just sort of it's weird that this they're still continuing this sort of 25th anniversary stuff, and now they're going to uh, do sort of these prints where they could be doing some other stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, more more looked or more stuff that um, fans would want to get in their hands. Sort of like rare rarer stuff that isn't like this where you can just get in photocopies from, or do your own prints on the wall, but. At least it's something, I suppose. It's, it just shows that Universal somewhat cares for the uh, franchise and has given us a little bit of <laughs> new stuff here and there. Yeah, exactly. Ellie, all our theories about Raptor intelligence, what they were capable of, we weren't even close. Tell me. Well, we did cranial scans of a fossil skull. We found what looks like a very sophisticated resonating chamber. Wait a second. So we were right. I mean, they had the ability to vocalize. I'm convinced it's the key to their social intelligence. Anything on that you want to discuss before we get to today's minute? Uh, no, I think we uh, covered that pretty well. 
Alright. As we ended on minute 10 of Jurassic Park 3, Cooper fired the rifle, showing the destructive capability and blowing up the small aircraft. As the minute opens, Paul Kirby can be heard over the phone asking Udesky if he's alright. And Udesky responds, Nothing to worry about, sir. It's going to be a walk in the park. At the 11 second mark, we transition to Fort Peck Lake, Montana, and Alan Grant's new dig site. We cut to a shot above Billy and Cheryl as they work on a Velociraptor skeleton. Cheryl doesn't know if she's doing it right, so Billy comes over to show her. At the 35 second mark, Cheryl tells Billy that she can never tell what's rock and bone. Billy responds, technically it's all rock. The calcium's removed during fossilization. At the 45 second mark, he grabs her hand and shows her the difference in texture between rough and smooth. At the 55 second mark, we cut to a door of a truck closing, showing the Museum of the Rockies, Department of Paleontology, as Dr. Grant comes back on the scene and walks to the front of the truck. And as the minute ends, Billy sees him and gets to his feet, yelling Dr. Grant. As the plane explodes, we get the tiny voice of Eric Kirby, uh, Paul, Paul Kirby asking Udesky if he's alright, and <laughs> Udesky just replies, nothing to worry about, sir, it's going to be a walk in the park. Which, Which... was actually the tagline, or one of the taglines for the movie. Hmm. Yeah, and we've discussed about how much <laughs> this is trying to be, trying to uh, lure going back to Nublar and not Sauna, which this doesn't help one bit, but it is better than the other tagline that was in the script, and this is going to be a piece of cake. <laughs> 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 which I'm, I'm glad they changed it to Walk in the Park, but it's not going to be a Walk in the Park. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut back to the burning plane for a moment before we transition to a large rock quarry outside of Pasadena. Well, that's where it was filmed. Uh, we get the subtitle come up saying Fort Peck Lake, Montana. It, it's sort of weird with this establishing shot. It's like, it obviously looks like a quarry, but there's a lot of water laying around in some of the low-lying areas. Mm-hmm. Looking at the site, you'd think it was maybe um, the fossils were in the walls, like in the rocky cliffs around the outside, and not in the middle of the quarry. With with where Grant sort of pulls up later on, and here you can see the his truck coming in onto the site... It's this large elevated section in the middle of the quarry. You'd think if they were digging, or digging it as a quarry, this would all be destroyed <laughs> by um, construction equipment. But I suppose I'm just mixing up the fact that it is a real quarry and it should be just a like a, a dry a creek bed or um, lake bed. Yeah, exactly. But we uh, cut to an overhead of a raptor skeleton, much like we've seen in the original Jurassic Park with Ellie and Dr. Grant working on it. Here we've got... Uh, Billy and Cheryl, which is named in the script, so we got a name now. <laughs> Otherwise, it was just going to be uh, the other woman. But um, as we as we sort of discussed in previous minutes, uh, this isn't how you find dinosaur fossils <laughs> intact on big sl- a big slab of rock like this. Yeah, yeah, that just doesn't happen. Even if it was a find like this, you'd never have sort of uh, university students working on it. But um, yeah, the female calls, or Cheryl calls Billy's name, and he says he doesn't think she's, uh, or she says she doesn't think she's doing it right, and she's brushing away rock from the area, and uh, Billy gets up and walks across the skeleton to where the woman's lying. I do sort of love the effect here of this, obviously, prop of this raptor skeleton in the rock ground, but you've also got the sort of like, the chunks of, it looks like dry mud that's probably fossilised that way, or turned to rock that way, sort of around the area as well. Which again gives you that sort of look of a like a lake bed or something where they've found this found this animal. Mm-hmm. 
I think that the really interesting part here is that is that as they're leaning on it, you can kind of see the resin bending. <laughs> the plastic skeleton rock skeleton rock around the skeleton just bending in <laughs> on the weight of the actors. Well, yeah, just briefly getting into this prop, um, it did go up for auction in 2001 after the film's release um, in one of the uh, eBay live auction houses and uh it's described here as the 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 piece itself hand carved out of solid rigid foam and hard coated it was uh, 97 inches high and 97 inches wide and 17 inches deep and they were hoping it would sell between 20 and 30 thousand dollars <laughs> in that auction so i assumed it's now as we said last minute with the uh, rv going to all props going to private collectors never to be seen again it's quite possible that uh this Velociraptor skeleton carving is uh, also now in the hands of a private collector and will probably never be seen again. Mm-hmm. Billy grabs a toothbrush and says, let's give this a try, and then instructs her on how to do it slowly, brushes the rock away, which a toothbrush... I've, I've never been foster king. Um, it, I know it's sort of sometimes you can get it in limestone, which is a softer rock surrounding the fossils, but a toothbrush doesn't really seem like a um, something that would be able to brush the rock away <laughs> from a fossil it just doesn't seem sort of stiff enough or hard enough yes if you're sort of dusting dusting like getting some dust away and that you probably would but the thing about fossil preparation is, is it's very very slow and so a toothbrush is kind of better than a regular paintbrush in a way just because it takes a little bit away yep. at a time and in a case like this where the um where the fossil is so complete, it's possible that the uh, <clears throat> that the rock around it would be a bit looser, and therefore, when you're wipe, if you took a paintbrush to it, you'd be wiping away bone along with rock. Well, so that's this is why they got the yeah, paintbrush. Yeah, and as the woman says here too, she can never tell what's rock and bone. Which, as you're just saying, you want to try and take away little bits at a time so you can keep an eye on that definition line or you can see the separation between where the rock and the rock starts and the bone finishes or vice versa because mm-hmm. um, Billy Billy says here that uh, technically it's all rock the calcium in the bones was replaced during fossilization but you can sort of feel the difference and grabs a hand and runs it over the fossil and says see rough smooth rough smooth which um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it goes a lot further in the script, so we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, uh, yeah, in the background, you can sort of hear a car pull up and the door open, which you don't really take much notice of, but the uh, shot cuts to that car door and the big round sticker or sign on the door saying Montana State University and Museum of the Rockies Department of Paleontology. So you can, this must be where um, Grant's lurking at this stage. He's sort of... Well, I don't know how you describe. Is that where he, um, not where he practices, but where he, where his research base is, I suppose, and yeah. most likely where a lot of these uh, students have come from as well, Montana State University. I, I imagine that he's probably always employing students on digs. That's where a lot of paleontologists, especially the students, get their field experience from. But. I mean, I think that at this point that 
he's at bare bones. He's not. He doesn't have the fancy equipment he had at um, at the point before when he was being funded by Hammond. But uh, yeah, yeah, true. But you know? here we are, several years later. You'd think the thumper would be a lost cheaper. He'd be able to buy a second-hand thumper, <laughs> which was that um, that device mm-hmm. that shot the sonar into the ground. I kind of always got the feeling that it was like a yeah. prototype thing that it's just Jerry rigged together <laughs> in the field there. That that was he stuck a jackhammer and stra- and strung it up to a computer or something. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and we didn't see in the film, but probably two or three weeks after Grant returned, someone probably backed into it with a car and they couldn't afford to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they do mention in the novel in the first novel. Ian Malcolm is kind of trying to defend his rape in the natural of the natural world comment, and he he asks Ellie, "Do you guys ever put the site back together after you're done digging mm-hmm. it up?" And they said no, and he asks why, and Ellie says, "Well, there's no money." To yeah, it. yep. So no, so I'm sure they took some inspiration from that when writing the script mm-hmm. here, and thinking, well, they're probably bare bones at this point, and made even worse by the fallout from the San Diego incident, you know? Yeah, and we sort of discussed that previous minute where Grant's sort of addressing the auditorium and the state of paleontology now in a world where Jurassic Park and the San Diego incidents have happened. If there's if there's anyone wanting to fund paleontology anymore when these animals are there, alive, you'd think there'd be a lot more people trying to fund expeditions or trying to get to the island get to the island and you never know there could have been a lot of expeditions to the island and the people just haven't come back that's true or or costa rica don't know they went there in the first place so they're not sort of reported they're just missing in action missing persons <laughs> which um which would be a different story altogether so but yeah the uh camera follows someone walking around the front of the uh, vehicle and we get the reveal of alan once again as he uh, returns back to the site he looks out over the dig site for a brief moment, and we can see Billy and the, wo- and the woman. <laughs> I didn't know her name was Cheryl until after. All right, also she's woman in here because she's not in the script either, uh, in the um, <laughs> credits because she, even though she has a speaking role, which is weird. But um, uh, at the rear of the dig site, there's another area with a large sort of shaded tarp set up, which makes me wonder if there's a more significant find there, or another raptor they've already found. They've got the cover over it just to keep the sun off it. But it's only a brief sort of look at the, this dig area and dig site. But mm-hmm. Billy looks up and says Alan's name and gets to his feet. And this is the introduction of Billy. Um, uh, Alessandro Novola. <laughs> I hope that's right. Um, he's also quite a <laughs> quite a busy actor. Um, I know him best and we've descri- discussed it previously, I think during The Lost World, that uh, he was in Face Off as Nicolas Cage's baby brother. But in that, but um, a lot of his... He's still working pretty pretty busy at the moment and a lot of his films seem to be small independent films and not so much wide release films just going off IMDB but yeah that's where we end out in a minute um, anything else on that you want to bring up Dave before we get to the script and novel comparisons um, no no at this moment alright um, yeah I'll start um, looking at a bit of the novelisation as well and combining that and the script um, for this last segment of the uh, the minutes but uh, in the um in the script, Bill is introduced much the same, but he's described as an associate professor, professor and site manager. And it's also said that he's 25, which that seems a bit young to be both site uh, manager and an associate professor. 
maybe site manager just because of what you're saying before about them being bare bones and Alan just needs maybe not the oldest person but probably the person he knows the most to be in charge of the site I think that um, it's not necessarily young I'm 25 a lot I wouldn't expect him to have his doctor yet mm-hmm. but at that age it wouldn't be too far-fetched to say that he has his masters by now well yeah if he's if it works over there the same as it does here. Normally, you leave high school or, or mm-hmm. that around 18, so 19. You've got six years in university um, mm-hmm. if you didn't have a gap year or anything. So by 25, he should have at least had yeah a, a fair bit of um, a learning, a fair, fair bit of training. So mm-hmm. I just I just haven't uh, didn't check the dic- dictionary for associate professor. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing that's like a um, um, like a Apprentice professor, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Just, just with a little bit more um, learning than what, say, someone just entering university would be. Mhm. Um, but yeah, as I was saying before, the females introduced as Cheryl, um, described as being twenty-one, a twenty-one-year-old university student, and um, is the one that probably got the most smitten with the supervisor, <laughs> and um, all that's in the general novelization as well, which. It's on. It cuts to the dig site, and there's no auditorium scene in novelization whatsoever. Um, it just cuts from most of the dialogue between Ellie and Grant happening out at the car. All the Raptor intelligence stuff happens out there as well as he's getting to the car and not at the dinner table. And it just cuts from there straight to Fort Peck Lake. So it's sort of interesting mm-hmm. they cut that out of the out of the um, novel, but. Um, while Bill is showing her uh, how to brush the rock, she isn't listening. She's just sort of watching his eyelashes. Um, and Billy takes her hand and does the rough and smooth thing, but when she puts her hand on... Oh, the Bennett, after he um, does that, she puts her hand on Billy's face and runs it over the stubble on his chin and says rough, and then brings her hands up to his lips and says smooth, which, <laughs> again, they're, they're flirting a lot more in the uh, novelization mm-hmm. than what uh, it's seen in the film, but... Uh, a shadow sort of suddenly falls across him and breaks up the flirtation and Billy looks up to see it's Dr. Grant back from his trip and we don't get that car pull-up scene as we do in the film. But um, that's where we are after the novel and the script. Mm-hmm. David, anything else you want to bring up on Minute 11 before we get out of here for the week? I think uh, we're good. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is Jurassic Minutes. .wordpress.com and you can find The Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. 
Your desk. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to Mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there!